the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Briefcast 54, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad you have joined us. The Briefcast are when I come to you guys with all of the bells and whistles and the special teams unit. It's just me and uh, a guest. And I have a very special guest coming up this time, a friend of the show. We'll talk about everything that's coming up this episode. But before I do that, want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't know how you found us, but we are on every major podcast platform and of course you can find us at ktsuradio.com that's the the flagship for your boy i'm on every friday night with the friday express and of course ktsu sports talk with the legend ralph cooper and the silver fox kevin allen each and every saturday morning 8 30 a.m but that's locally here in the city of houston but for those of you who are listening all around the world thank you so much welcoming you guys with open arms and and i want to tell you man i am so surprised and shocked by how big things are getting folks from all over reaching out folks from all over are listening and we see that through our analytics so that is a big big deal and i want to remind you guys a few very important things first of all the 24-hour sports line the sports talk with devin wade sports line 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614 in addition to that go to wade's word production Productions.com for all things Devin Wade, whether it's the stage, because I'll be writing for the stage this year. I'll be producing a couple things, at least, I hope, at least one. Maybe more than that. In addition to that, all the stuff about the Friday Express and, of course, uh, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. If you want to go back and find past episodes, if you want to go back to the beginning of this thing, you certainly can at WadesWordProductions.com. But there's so many ways to be interactive. But when you go to the website, please subscribe so you can get the emails from yours truly, from the gang, and uh, we'll make sure that happens. In addition to that, if you're a fledgling musician or an established musician who wants the exposure to thousands and thousands of folks who come across the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, email us at music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. Well, this time out, we have a fun one as we welcome friend of the show, our guy, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, a guy who had an expansive Super Bowl-laden career, our very own Santana Dotson. He uh, will join us to talk about the Green Bay Packers, and some NFL stuff and the Baylor Bears. So we have a lot to get into in the second half of the show, but we're going to start you out with some headlines. We will get into the We the People segment. And, of course, uh, we have some phone calls uh, where you guys have chimed in on uh, on comments, on calls, on votes from poll questions we posted on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So a lot to get into. And, of course, Award. And we have some great music coming up for you. A portion of it at the break and the entire track at the end of the show. But with that, let's get into some headlines. 
In headlines, not a whole lot going on, but enough that is going on to sort of keep us entertained and engaged. In the NBA, it is sort of the dog days of their season, uh, the dog days of January before the All-Star break. And the the NBA needed a shot in the arm, and they got just that with the debut of Zion Williamson for the New Orleans Pelicans. He gave in. He, Zion did work. I mean, he got off to a slow start, but he finished strong. And, I mean, he can do a lot. Everybody seems to question his ability to stay healthy at his size. We've never seen a guy quite that explosive and that big at the same time. He's the he's a, a new incarnation of he, he's Wilt Chamberlain 2.0, not the height, but the width and the girth in the explosion of a, of a guard. He can handle the ball. He shot well from the perimeter. I don't know what it will do long-term for the NBA. NBA is, is going through the thing. LeBron is not showing out. I mean, we have good nights. I mean, if you are an NBA fan, there's a lot out there. And the Rockets went on a four-game losing streak before recovering with a win over the Denver Nuggets. Uh, things are happening, but nothing major. No no NBA drama at this time. We keep anticipating some, especially here in Houston. National media keeping an eye out for that, but not not yet. Westbrook and Harden are getting along. Uh, it looks like the experiment is not working right now. Let's see what happens moving forward. A lot of season left to play, including uh, we will really get ramped up after the All-Star break. NFL draft going to Las Vegas, and they're doing just the most with the draft. At the end of the day, if you don't care about the NFL draft, I don't think having both. I mean, I think you can steal some headlines and get some clickbait, but nobody's going to tune in to watch a guy take a boat to the stage in the fountains of the Bellagio. And and that's exactly what they're doing. It's cool. It's cool. But if you're not going to watch, if you don't care, you're not going to care. You'll look in for 30 seconds. Oh, that's cool. A boat, water, Bellagio, the fountains, whatever, Vegas. But at the end of the day, who cares? Who cares? Because I can tell you what, if Tom Brady chooses to sign with another team on draft day, nobody will give a damn about the NFL draft. I don't, boats and all. You can have gondolas. You can have speed boats. You can jump the shark like Fonzie and Happy Day. You can do whatever you want. But again, whatever. They're trying to make this thing more than what it is. And it's getting away from the – first of all, I hate the way they've done the draft by breaking it up into days and making this a prime time thing. I like the wheeling and dealing. and You're under pressure to make a move and your guy's not there, but you you can move up. Uh, and all of these things condensed – or used to be condensed in one or one major day, two days. The first day, second day. Now it's like three days. You got you got your Thursday night for round one, and then I think the Friday, second and third round, and then Saturday. It's too much, man. Look, after the top ten picks, people are not. I don't care how much they cheer or how much they boo. Most people do not know guys outside of the top ten, and that's just real talk. Now it's not as bad as the NBA, but you just don't know anybody unless you're just watching AAU in high school or foreign basketball. For the most part, you had, I mean, last year was an exception. You had what, what Barrett and Zion and Morant, but generally, you know, a couple guys, and then it's from Slovenia, from Transylvania, it's guys from all over the place, and you never know if they're going to develop or not. So that's going on. And uh, also, the Raiders, the Raiders became the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders just does not ring a bell. Doesn't sound good at all. And I'll tell you what, 
I said this on Twitter, and I mean it. I would no longer call them Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Oakland. From now on, they should be the only team that doesn't name a city. They ought to just be the, the Raiders. I'm the Raiders. If they if they were just the Raiders, and they could belong to every counterculture football fan there is, every kind of Darth Vader fan or whatever, anybody that wants to go into the black, it should just be the Raiders. So the and, and you talk about becoming uh, America's team, the anti-America's team. I'm telling you, man, it it think about it. That's a great idea. The Raiders. No t- no city in front of it. No state in front of it. Just the. I'm telling you, it would work. They're not going to listen. Vegas doesn't. You think Vegas gives a damn about uh, the ownership? The only team they've ever cared about in Las Vegas is UNLV. And that was back then. we talk to Sharp. But other than that, Vegas doesn't care. Vegas doesn't give a damn. They don't care. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, I mean, again, I'm speaking for Vegas, but I know that a lot of people are making plans. Look, I will go to a game there. Hey, I'll catch a plane for the weekend to go see. So I don't think they'll have any problems with ticket sales. Loyalty? They'll never had the kind of loyalty they got in Oakland. And that's one of those things I say will always hurt the NFL over time. And people disagree with me. Maybe I'm just tied to my – maybe I'm just the old guy sitting on his front porch complaining. But there's a, a lot of – just a lot of uh, uh, a lot of excitement about Las Vegas, but I don't think that that can sustain itself like having true blue, hardcore, deep fans. So that's happening. Also, the big brawl between Kansas and Kansas State. And people are just – they are acting like somebody shot somebody. Now, the kid that got suspended, now I don't know his name. He's from abroad. And he picked up a chair. And there were snapshots of him, you know, rearing all the way back, getting ready to swing the chair. He didn't swing the chair. To my knowledge, I don't know. He may have landed a punch. He may, he got suspended for 12 games. But they are just, oh, this is the worst thing ever. This is like the malice at the palace. No, malice at the palace. They, they had grown-ass men fighting grown-ass men in the stands, fighting civilians. That, that's not what this was. This was, okay, so just to paint the picture, this is what happened. Kansas had blown Kansas State out. In the closing seconds of the game, Kansas was just dribbling the ball out. Kid from Kansas State stole the ball. Why? He was doing too much. He goes up to lay up the ball or slam dunk, whatever. He went up to the, to the hole to try to make a basket with under a second left. Got blocked. Really got fouled, but he got blocked, and the guy stood over him. And, that, and then it all started. And I just think the placement of where the altercation started was bad because it was near the, the near the crowd and spilled over into the crowd a little bit. But this was not malice at the palace. And this overreaction is just, oh, my God, oh, uh, the, you know, oh, we just, oh, my gosh, clutching my pearls. Oh, uh, you can't have this. Okay, if he swung the chair. Even if he missed, I would have been consistent, just like Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett would have raised the helmet, didn't swing it. I'd have the same reaction. Miles Garrett swung the helmet and missed. Kid swings the chair and misses. He still swung the chair. He didn't swing the chair. His intent, it looked like his intent was but somebody grabbed the chair. Didn't swing the chair. 12 games, that's fine. But to, oh, this is lack of institutional control. Stop. Stop. We act like we didn't see this in the in the, the recent past. We are getting so, so soft. And I'm not advocating fighting. I'm just not. But I'm not advocating acting like my auntie. And not even my auntie. My auntie's like, go get it. Get it in. <laughs> but, you know, acting like, oh, my gosh, we can't have this. 
Oh, my word. What in the world? Oh, they're, they're fighting. Do you remember the Big East in the 80s and 90s? Do you remember some of the stuff that went on back in the day? And I know back in the day is back in the day and we can't do it anymore. But that's nobody. Come on. Stop. Stop. It, it, it irks the hell out of me to see the way people overreact to these things. Now, again, Miles Garrett was different. You swung a helmet, you could have killed somebody. You really could have. This, hey, man, they swing chairs in wrestling every every week, twice a week, right? So <laughs> nobody's getting nobody's getting hurt or killed. I don't know. Uh, maybe, you know. But anyway, that's sort of my soapbox issue. And, of course, finally, I want to talk about the Houston Astros. Everybody raising hell about the Houston Astros. And, you know, all the, the city council wants to sue. Man, l- look, leave it alone. I'm telling you, if you, if you don't want to get into stripping people from titles, Cause we can strip. You want to strip? We can get all. We can get naked. Everybody can get naked. Cause look, we can go. Uh, I want did Bonds win in San Francisco on on steroids? Maybe did Clemens? I think he did with the Yankees. We went. I mean, Astros went to the World Series with him in, in 2005. I don't want to strip that. But I'm just saying we could go on and on. Mark McGuire, come on, man, with the Oakland A's. With, uh, and I don't think the St. Louis Cardinals went to the World Series with him. Or maybe they did. I, I have to look at my list. But we can come up with something for everybody. Scuffing balls. You know, all, you know, all kinds of stuff that they've done. You want to strip, we can all get naked. So, And I tell you what, in the Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred doesn't want to do that. No, we're not stripping anybody. In a sport in which it's legal to steal signs, you want to strip the Astros because they you they got good at the game? <laughs> Did they push the envelope a little bit too far? They were line steppers? So, again, clutching pearls. Oh, my gosh. Oh, should we, should we just strip them? Of the- no, no. Because if you want to talk about cheating, there's a lot of ways to cheat. There's a lot of cheating going on, and everybody knows it. Uh, Strowman, a pitcher in the major leagues, said, oh, man, the Astros hit my nasty stuff. Now I know why. Man, they probably didn't even use the trash cans for you. Move around. I don't care. And if if your stuff was that nasty, they can know it's coming and it's too nasty to hit. Shut up. Sit down. Go away. Leave the Astros alone. And look, I'm not much for apologies. Look, I'm going to make my apology. Okay, I was wrong. But you're not going to keep hounding me. Because at some point, I'm like, I'm not apologizing no damn more. I'm glad I did not do it again if you press me. So, again, that's sort of the way I feel about that. Give me your thoughts on that, 832-941-6614. But all this, oh, what do you want them to do? They're not giving the rings back, and nor should they. I don't care. And for all the reasons I stated in the previous podcast, I don't want to hear that. You can call them whatever you want to call them, but you better call them champs. The 2017 World Series champs. You can call anything you want to put before or after that. I don't give a damn. We got the ring. If you didn't catch me before the parade, you just didn't catch me. So with that being said, it's time to go to a segment that we call We the People. We the People. 
in the We The People segment, I go to you guys. I take your phone calls at 832-941-6614. We have a call uh, that I have coming up, but we also, inside of that, uh, we post poll questions and get your votes and your feedback on a number of given topics. And for this portion of We The People, we call this one This or that. The choice is yours. You can oh. get with this or you can get with that. Or you can oh. get with this or you can get Now in the back. this or that you segment this time out, I ask you guys a number of questions and I started with your early pick for the Super Bowl. A lot of back and forth on the Super Bowl. I mean, the 49ers look so impressive versus Green Bay, but so did Kansas City. But Kansas City also fell behind to Tennessee, and they also fell behind to the Houston Texans before they stormed back for 51 points, a 41-7 run or something like that. It was ridiculous. Uh, the run, A 51-7 run that they went on. It was just a ridiculous uh, offensive performance by both teams really in different ways. One through the air, one through the ground. Now, what going to get into a breakdown of the Super Bowl. We're going to get into all of those things, but I asked you guys initially, just early on, just took a poll question, who do you like to win the Super Bowl? 71% of you guys said the Kansas City Chiefs, while 29% said the 49ers. It'll be interesting to see moving forward if this changes in any way, if people start to say, well, hey, I'm buying into the 49ers. Maybe the 49er fans will come out of woodwork on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page. However, that goes right now just early on i'll give you a final poll question i'll give you the final pick uh, going into super bowl weekend but right now 71 percent of the uh, voters on the sports talk with devin wade page say the kansas city chiefs next up i asked you guys about aj hinch you know how i am about the astros but the question was would you hire aj hinch after his one-year suspension, could he manage for your team? Is he that guy? Is he that dude? Uh, what do you think? If you're asking me, I, and I, I never vote on these things on the page. I really want to see what you guys think, and I don't—not that I can—but I don't want to influence folks one way or the other with my opinion. So I leave it up to you guys to tell me what you think. But now I'll tell you what I think. I would hire AJ Hinch. I would. I'm sorry. I, I don't. I wouldn't hire him again for the Astros. I wouldn't have fired him. But if you're going to fire him, I would have fired Luno. But I wouldn't have fired A.J. Hinch. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I have a tough time with both of them. But, okay, Hinch, Hinch could have stopped it, but he didn't. But he didn't come up with the idea. Wasn't really pleased with it, but he didn't put his foot down and said, hey, stop it. And the indictment on him is when the player said, if he would have just told us to stop, we would have stopped. Well, he didn't do that. But the question now is moving forward, because I think I think he will get another job. Cora, maybe a little bit different. Beltran, I really think he may not get a shot. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, time heals most wounds. We'll get into some of that at some point as well. But A.J. Hinch, would you hire him? 63% of you guys said yes, he could manage for me. 37% said no. No, I would not hire A.J. Hinch. Well, I'm grateful. You brought me a championship. Just like we forgave Rudy T., for an alleged DWI when he ran into the tree. I'm not saying he was drunk. I'm not saying that. I would never slander his name. But if he was, and HPD looked the other way, come on, man, back to back. <laughs> back to back to back. <laughs> what you going to do? I mean, are you going to give a mug shot to Rudy T off back to back? Can't do that, man. Come on. <laughs> I know that's wrong. I know you yeah, I don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that side of me, but yeah. 
And again, I'm not saying that he was drunk. Maybe he was just sleepy. He ran into a tree. But if he was, DWI is not a good thing. You know, you could hurt and kill somebody. But you want to take him to jail. If you got away with one, got some help, back to back. That's all I'm saying. Back to back. <laughs> Scold me later. Get on me later. But kind of how I feel about that, that situation back then. I've grown up now. I'm more mature now. I don't feel that way anymore. At the time, no, not Rudy T. Finally, I asked you guys about Antonio Brown. And this was before Antonio Brown got the a warrant for his arrest, uh, which came today or yesterday. I mean, he's just, he's falling off really, really bad. But the question was, would you have Antonio Brown on your team? Now, 65% of you guys said no. 35% of you guys said yes. But it seems like it was conditional. Uh, J.M. Key says yes with therapy and complete management of his social media accounts until he's able to function on his own. Not aware if the NFL offered mental health, mental health treatment to him, but they should have. All corporations have substance abuse and mental health benefits for employees. Well, one problem is he's not an employee right now. He's out of the league. But I agree. I agree. Uh, got saw this thing with Delonte West, former NBA guard, and just had a great team at St. Joseph. Went to the Final Four with Jameer Nelson in that backcourt, and he was getting beat down in in the Washington D.C. area. And then he got arrested, and he has extreme mental illness. And I know people on Twitter found that funny. Not everybody, but you had your knuckleheads and your idiots that just found that really amusing and funny. Somebody really, he was getting beaten on this like major thoroughfare. No one intervened. And I'm not saying put your life in jeopardy on line, but blow your horn. Break that thing up, man. He was getting kicked in the head. It was I don't even encourage you guys to go see it if you haven't. It's not a good look. It's not a good thing to see him. He needed mental health. He needs mental health uh, assistance. I've heard that several people, former teammates, people in the D.C. area, have reached out to try to help him. But the problem is when you're that severely mentally ill, it's hard to recognize that you need help. He is in a bad, bad way. God bless him. I, I, God bless him, honestly. I'm praying for Delonte West to get well. And and those prayers can be extended to Antonio Brown because this clearly looks like he is not well. And Errol Wilkes, our guy Errol Wilkes, said Mr. Brown needs to get some psychiatric care. Unless he gets help, he will become too much of a distraction. When healthy, that man is a top-notch player. I agree with that 100%. He's a top-notch player. There's nothing else you can say about him. This guy is my favorite receiver when healthy of this current batch of receivers. He's my favorite one. But he just he he's fallen way off. And I don't know if the narcissism is amplified by mental illness or just adversity. I don't know what it is. It seems like this is venturing into mental health. I'm, I don't want to get on a CTE train, but he needs some help. But, I, you know, prayers to him. Please get some help. Please. You've entertained us. You've done your thing. You put your body on the line to entertain us. Physically, I'm sure you've gotten some ailments and you've gotten beat up and hit and knocked out and all those things for our benefit, for our enjoyment. And I thank you for that. But I also want you to get some help because it would be great if you can get yourself together to get back in 
the NFL. With that, let's go to the phone lines. Let's see who called us this time out. Again, you can call 24 hours a day, 832-941-6614. Hey, Devin, this is EL. I just want to say I'm a Houstonian through and through, but I am the adopted son of Lubbock as I currently go to Texas Tech. And I got to say, man, I'm ecstatic for Patrick Mahomes. This city might as well be an extension of Kansas City and Minnesota between Patrick and Colvin and the NBA. But for the sake of full disclosure, I was rooting for the Texans a couple weeks ago. I definitely think they needed it more. With the Titans on a silver platter, and who knows when we get a good coach and the pieces around to shine. But I'm happy for Patrick because I think this year people began to have alarm fatigue because you hear about and see him do so many great things, you almost stop noticing. So I'm not going to continue to harp on his arm, athleticism, and things you just continue to hear over and over again. But I will say, I think people should first appreciate having an African-American quarterback in the Super Bowl for the 100th season. And Texans should appreciate that he's going to be the first quarterback from a four-year Texas University to play in a Super Bowl. And I think that's a crazy stat, given that Texas is known as such a powerhouse with football. And the only other quarterback from a Texas institution period was Cam Newton, if you include his stint with Glenn. So go out there and wreck him a home. And since y'all won't have football this weekend, y'all tune in and watch the Red Raiders do work on Kentucky on Saturday. What a great call from our guy EL. Thanks so much. Uh, Lubbock, Texas, we certainly appreciate that. And, and some information in there that was very, very interesting. He referenced Jerry Culver with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who is uh, who was a star at Texas Tech. did his thing. And I, I don't know how well he's playing or how much he's playing uh, for the T-Wolves. I hadn't his, hadn't his name hadn't jumped out as the NBA season has progressed. But nonetheless, he talked about black quarterbacks and uh, having an African-American quarterback in the Super Bowl. And it hadn't been the first thing. And maybe that thing will ramp up. Maybe that issue will ramp up as we move closer to the game and media day and all of those things. Or maybe it's a little bit overlooked because when you think African-American quarterback Deshaun Watson you don't think Russell Wilson you don't think Pat Mahomes you think Lamar Jackson you think uh, Donovan McNabb but I mean I I think we're to the point where it's not the issue anymore we've had several from McNair to McNabb to to Russell Wilson as I said before so the other guys have gone Doug Williams was the first to do it and he did it in such a huge way uh, we'll never forget that and should we we should not ever forget that so that's a big big deal uh the other thing the texas quarterback thing i did not realize although i'm not tremendously surprised when you think about quarterbacks man we've been a running back state for years i mean when it was a run dominant game although there's so many quarterbacks from texas Drew Brees comes to mind, who won on a Super Bowl. So there are other guys who went to Texas high schools, not necessarily Texas four-year Texas schools, but this is interesting, an interesting thing I did not think about. I'm glad he brought that up. And, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting thing uh, to think, okay, man, there has not been a quarterback from a four-year Texas college that has won a Super Bowl. Wow, that's interesting. Did you know that? I didn't know that. So thanks for the call. And those are the kinds of calls that make the show a lot better when I get some feedback and some input from you guys. So, again, and what I'm going to do, and I guess I can do it now. I guess I can do it now. I am going to, if you call, and we're going to do this maybe over a couple of weeks. If you call and have an interesting take, I'm going to choose somebody to do a segment with on the podcast. Now, that's just off the top of my dome. We have to figure out how we're going to do this. But if you call 
maybe we I can we can arrange it where I can call you guys and we can do a one-on-one segment where we can do a whole segment of talking about whatever it is you want to talk about and give you get your takes on a number of things. So does that sound like fun? Maybe we can do that. 832-941-6614. 832-941-6614. With that, it's time to take a time out. And we have some music from Simo and Soulville. Who came to party? I mean, hey, I like this. Hopefully you will too. But first, a word from our sponsor. This is Briefcast 54, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes. Tune in, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, and KTSUradio.com. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We'd like to welcome y'all to the Soul Line. Now, I got my boys right here from the Soul Collective coming right back at you. For all the party people out there, no matter what the occasion, let's raise your glass. Let's go. I wanna know who came to party. Let's get on down. Let's get on down. I wanna know who came to party. Let's get on down. Let's get on down. If it's your birthday, you came to party. Welcome back to Briefcast 54, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. That is a snippet from Simo and Soulville, who came to party. We will hear the rest of that track at the end of the show. And want to remind you guys, if you have music uh, that you want to send us to play on the podcast, we'll play a snippet. It doesn't matter the genre. You can have a mix. You can play country music. You can play classical. Whatever your thing is, jazz. We've had a lot of different genres on the show. We have no problem playing any of them. As long as they're radio edit, just email me at music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. We'll go through it, and uh, we'll work you into the mix. But Simo uh, and Soulville, hey, like that? Who came to party? And uh, you can check those guys out at soulcollectivemusic.com. That's soulcollectivemusic.com. Com. With that, want to go to a conversation we had with our guy, Santana Dotson, SD. He's been on the show numerous times throughout the years. He's a big-time supporter. And uh, we checked in with him because his Green Bay Packers went down in defeat. Asked him about him, Mike, uh, well, them, and Mike McCarthy, the brand-new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And we asked him about his Baylor Bears. He had an opportunity to brag on his Bears. So here's our conversation with former NFL defensive lineman, 
Freeman, Defensive Rookie of the Year when he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from Baylor University, from Yates High School right there in the Trey in Third Ward, Texas. Our very own, uh, our guy, Santana Dotson. As promised, joined now by our guy, good friend of the show, and uh, former, what, Rookie Defensive Player of the Year uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Had some great years, Super Bowl runs with the Green Bay Packers. Our very own Santana Dotson joins us to talk about some NFL stuff and some Baylor stuff. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. How's everything going, Devin? Good. Now, you know what? I came across this. And because, you know, over the holidays, you have a little downtime. I kind of unplugged a little bit. Didn't Mm -hmm. watch as much of everything. So I was perusing. And I I came across, you know, Netflix is a powerful instrument. And I came across something that I want. I need an autograph. I never asked you about an autograph before. But I am going to, because I saw this movie, I'm going to Uh order it and get you to autograph a copy of Hard Lessons, your acting (laughs) debut. <laughs> hey, I went back on hey, that man, one. Man, that, that's a fun. Yeah, you you win the trivia. You win the trivia game with that. Now I, I, I pull that out of my head every so often, and folks like you did what with who? I said, oh yeah, you didn't know that. Did yeah, so your you acting are, debut they, was they, Denzel. Well, it was with Denzel Washington, and you know who else? Uh, I talked to Lawrence King about it. I, I said, hey, yes, sir. <laughs> and he he gave me the backstory. So he gave uh-huh. me the, the Charlie Murphy version of events uh, during the filming. Uh, <laughs> Of hard lessons. So, just to tell people what we're talking about, when you were in high school and you had to be what a sophomore, junior? What, I was a sophomore going into my junior year. So, what what I will have you know is I was actually best actor in my district in the city because I did some acting in the drama department in the off season. As crazy as it sounds, so but it's not with a that stretch. Being said, <laughs> yeah, with, with that with that being said, actually they were shooting a movie over at Austin High School, downtown Austin High School, and the folks came in from LA and basically just think of the lean on me story reincarnated but it was it was pre yeah it was the pre lean on me it was pre lean on me yeah exactly (laughs) but it was the LA version so when they came over of course they needed some extras and some actors and actresses to play minor roles in the movie but at the same time I got one of those roles as what else as one of the athletes that Denzel needed to do some work or some cleanup work around the school or around the campus and the best part about it was, you know, for a day or afternoon, we did get to meet and talk with Denzel. And that was, again, that was for Denzel was Denzel. So he was just a guy that was probably was twice our like, age. Yeah, he was coming off of St. Elsewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, he was coming off of St. Elsewhere, and he was just kicking knowledge to us, man. So it was good. You know, you look back at it now, and you know it's like one of those things of remember back when. But, yeah, if you want to win some trivia and get you some uh, little drinking money at the corner store or the corner bar, you, yeah, if you bet on that one, folks, you'll win every time. Yeah, I mean, you and, and Lawrence King, the only people I know personally who have acted with Denzel Washington. So that was a lot of fun. I just don't know why you didn't get uh, any speaking lines. I mean, you know, know as you painted know, right? the fence you should have said let me paint the fence (laughs) wherefore art thou wherefore art thou right so let's talk some nfl not a Uh, not a happy uh week for you after your green bay packers go down in defeat and boy it was embarrassing style first and foremost are you still how how connected are you with the organization because my understanding is that in green bay there's a connection with that organization and their former players deeper than any other organization in the NFL. How connected are you with the organization in the the city of Green Bay and the state of Wisconsin, for that matter? 
Yeah, it's it's a family-oriented organization. So once a Packer, you're always a Packer. I still get up there a couple of times a month doing different events, engagements with the Packers, as well as the community in the area. At, at the end of the day, there's going to be one team that's excited about the Super Bowl and making it to the Super Bowl. And you're going to have 31 other teams that are kind of disconnected this franchise and wish the season would have ended a little bit better. But if I if I were to ask you guys or definitely a Packer fan before the season and say, hey, you've got a first year coach, second year play caller and a revamped defense, uh, an offense that doesn't have all the intangibles that it usually has. And you'll be 13 and three and four quarters away from the Super Bowl. Will you take it? I think 95 percent of the Packer Nation would have taken it. So. They're a little bit. They're a little bit of ways away, but you know, you still got Aaron, and you're missing a couple of pieces. So I think it was an extremely good year for the Packers. You just hated for it to end the way it ended a couple of few days ago. Well, I know it must have been extremely frustrating for you and Gilbert Brown, and the late Reggie White, to see the way that defensive front was just dominated. I mean, it's I, that's unbelievable. So the, I don't recall a performance like that that deep into the playoffs where a team, one team, was able to just really control the game. I mean, this ha- you probably have to go back to the 70s to see a team dismantle an opponent on the ground the way San Francisco dismantled that front uh, seven of uh, Green Bay. Uh, what happened yeah. there? You know, they've got three outstanding running backs and an awesome offensive line. And I think, you know, football is cyclical. And what I mean by that is that if you watch the teams that made the last six teams that were in or out the playoffs, all of them outstanding running teams. And basically, it's a pass-happy league, and you're matching up with all these offensive that are air-rating and throwing the ball all over the place, and your linebackers are smaller, your defensive ends are smaller, and a lot of things like that. But when you start talking about the San Francisco's, the Seattle's, even Green Bay in some instance, they're running Tennessee, team this year. Tennessee, uh, Tennessee you talk about Baltimore. If you look at those last five, six teams that are actually had a chance to get to the big show, they're running the ball now. With that being said, You've got to be extremely meticulous in your front seven with your defensive linemen and your linebackers on your fits. And Shanahan, the head coach from uh, head coach from uh, San Francisco, he does an outstanding job of play calling. What I mean by that is, uh, you know, you'll say in the defensive meeting room when you're talking about the runs, you've got to read your keys, don't watch the ball. So you could tell by the game that you had a lot of guys watching the ball and trying to make a play when your keys are going to take you to the ball. And why that's important, because on the running play, the as a defensive end, I've got to be in the same place every time. The linebackers have to be in the same place every time as far as their fits. Your support staff, which is your safety and your cornerbacks, they need to be make sure they know where they are. And the fact that the game has changed, if you're not meticulous and to a to a T, crossing your T's and down your eyes with that running game, you'll have a performance like you did the other day, you know. So, but that at the same time, the defense looked bad against the rush. But if you watch Green Bay throughout the year, it's definitely been some upgrades defensively because they were out there playing and winning a bunch of games this year on the defensive side of the ball. What did you see from Matt Lafleur this year, and uh, and and we'll get into Aaron Rodgers, but Matt Lafleur, we talked about sort of Mike McCarthy, and I'll ask you about him as well in Dallas. But uh, what's your take on his uh, his rookie season as head coach in uh, in Green Bay? Yeah, like we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, a first year coach, second year play caller, 
to come out 13-3 and win the division, I think that's outstanding. He's the first, and we've had some outstanding coaches that have come through uh, Green Bay, and he's the first coach ever to come out his rookie year at 13-3. and You know, that's nothing to shake a stick at. So I think we'll be looking up, and he was committed to the run. If you watch the things uh, they did offensively, he was committed to the run, and, you know, I think Aaron is believing in that as well. So I, I think it's only going to be building blocks, and they'll only get better together. Well, I know you, you had kind of a tandem that became really just a solo show with Aaron Jones, but Williams is another guy that contributed to that running game. But I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. What makes him so – I mean, more than any other quarterback other than Tom Brady, there's so much love – and just so much attention paid to Aaron Rodgers. He's always in the discussion for the best quarterback in the NFL. What do you see? What makes him so much more outstanding than other great quarterbacks in this league? Well, he's able to make every throw. He's a, a nice mobile quarterback, and he's got a significant arm. So, you know, he's got all those intangibles that you look for in a quarterback, and he's got good speed. He's got good speed. He may not be as fast as your Watkins or um, Lamars or your folks like that or your Mahoney's. But at the same time, if you're not paying attention to Aaron, he'll run off 10, 15, 20 yards at a clip if you're not spying on him or watching or making sure you're containing him as a quarterback. So he has all, all those intangibles, and then he has the IQ of being able to understand the systems, understand majority of the defenses are coming out at him and how they're trying to attack what they're doing offensively and how he tries to combat it. I think if you really watched historically, he's had some of the better receivers in the NFL. And, you know, we start talking about the Jordy Nelsons and the Randall Cobbs, Donald Drivers, the Keith Jennings and things like the people like that he's been throwing the ball to. And this year, honestly, you know, he had uh, Devontae Adams. He's he's probably a premier receiver, but that was it. You know, you had, you had Jimmy Graham, who Jimmy Graham is basically on the back end of his career. And then you had a, a stable of a lot of good kids that were mid to late round draft picks to fr- or free agent, you know, free agent choices yeah, every as time, far as the wide receivers. Yeah, every time I looked up, he was throwing to a different receiver I had never heard of. And I play, look, I gamble on fantasy football, so I know everybody. But Lazard came on late. I mean, you know, you had Allison, uh, Allison uh, Scantling. You had, I mean, so many guys, man, that he – St. Brown, did he got hurt early in the year. So, that, I mean, how many receivers do they have on that roster? Because, yeah, I mean, exactly. you know, man. So, yeah, so I, that, you're exactly right. To that point, I look for them to do something, you know, find a receiver, probably a veteran receiver this offseason if they're smart. Because Aaron's not getting any younger. We've been not, uh, talking about Aaron for a while now, and I believe he's going into his 35th, 36th birthday. So, I think they're building a the team to win now. So, I look for them to try to get some veteran talent. You know, and uh, I was actually on another show uh, yesterday talking about it. So they, they wanted to know who I thought. And I said, well, I don't know who, but I know who, who saved our season one of those Super Bowl years because we had a bunch of injuries to uh, Robert Brooks and a couple of other wide receivers was a guy by the name of Andre Risen. So Andre Risen came. And, you know, back back then he was getting his house burned down by left eye and he had all that other stuff going on. So, you know, and that was without social media. So, you know, whether it was an Odell or, or an Antonio Brown or I'm sure there's some quality, some quality wide receivers out there that they'll be taking a look at this year. And you'll be surprised that once you get in Green Bay and the lights come on, 
people really start getting their eyes on that prize and all that other stuff that ends up being a byproduct of boredom and sitting with your phone in your hand and figure out what you're going to tweet and Instagram and all that other stuff goes by the wayside. A lot of folks jumped on the Green Bay bandwagon because they thought maybe this is Aaron Rodgers' last best chance at a Super Bowl. How many more shots you think uh, he does he have in him? I mean, you know, I mean, guys now, you know, they're playing a lot longer. The rules, especially, is particularly how and when you can hit quarterbacks. You know, that's to the benefit as far as the safety regulations and guys are are eating better so you know you've got Tom Brady that's going into his 41 42nd birthday Drew Brees going into his 41st birthday so somebody like Aaron taking care of their body I would dare to say that if he chooses to play that long that he could play well into his 40s and be okay which was unheard of but you know I was telling somebody earlier that my training table of my meal program when I played which was 15 20 years ago consisted of what fast food you wanted at, at lunch, <laughs> you know. And now you go to the Packers locker room and they're investing $3 million of their own money into the training table because they understand now, you know, 70, 80% of what you do is conditional upon of what you're putting into your body. Right. I want to shift gears here ask you about uh, former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. Uh, big news around these parts. Well, I guess America's team, maybe all over the country, but Mike McCarthy, he steps into the Lions' den in Dallas. Uh, what do you think of that, sort of that fit? Is that a good fit for both Dallas and for Mike McCarthy, and, and does that lend itself to some success? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I like the choice. I like McCarthy, I've known him as an assistant. He was an assistant during our Super Bowl runs in, in Green Bay. So I think that's an excellent choice. And I, you needed a veteran, I believe. You needed a veteran coach that could actually work with that, with the, work at the quarterback position and help Dak Prescott grow. So you needed that. And he's great at calming the storm and making sure that the, the boat or skipper in the boat and make sure it's headed in the right direction. I think it was an excellent choice, and I, you know, I look for good things to happen uh, with that team. How, how does he handle? You think uh, Jerry Jones? Because again, you have overbearing owners, and then you have Jerry Jones. <laughs> That's on the next level. Yeah, I mean, of I, I think yeah, and I talk about that all the time. You you don't see usually most owners they shy away from the camera. They go the opposite direction. Dallas may be the only team that I recognize that I see that the owner does a pre and post game conversation with the fans and, and <laughs> Joe public. So, uh, you know, is, is it a different arrangement? Yeah. But I think Mike, you know, he's a consummate professional, so he understands what comes with it. And sometimes, you know, uh, possibly they can use that as a nice cover shield. Cause a lot of times you don't want to deal with the media all the time. So if the owner wants to take that on, let him take it on. And you know what, I'm going to coach the team. I just need to make sure we're, in, we're in constant sequence. So we're not, we're apples to apples, not apples to oranges once we're all talking about the same thing when the mic gets in our face. Do you think he got a bum rap or do you think he's underrated as a coach? Because, again, a lot was made of the fact that he and Aaron Rodgers weren't really on the same page. And, and it, it seemed like Aaron Rodgers sort of if if there was a such thing as a, a power struggle, the organization clearly went with Aaron Rodgers. Do you think that he's underrated in, in some ways? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, I think it's hard to win the Super Bowl, and he's a Super win, Super Bowl winning coach. So was there was there a breakup or issue that he had with the quarterback? Yeah, but, you know, sometimes that comes from being together for 10 or 12 years, however long they were together, 
in the same place. So they definitely had a difference of opinion. The interesting thing is, you know, a lot of things that Mike was predicated on once he got there, which, uh, which was running game, being a heavy running game, a lot of play action, things like that, are the same things that LaFleur is instituting. But it's just like, you know, it's just like your parents saying, eat your peas when you're 10 years old. So if your mom says it, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, somebody else comes in and says it, it gets your attention, you know. So it's kind of one of those things that after a while of saying it so many times, it's fallen on deaf ears. And it was just time. It was time to go different directions. And I think both of them were happy for that breath of fresh air. Well, I want to ask you a couple more NFL things. I want to ask you about the hometown team here in Houston, Houston Texans. Of course, uh, the the organization and the city still sort of reeling. We're re- mostly reeling from the Astros, but also reeling from uh, the results of the Kansas City game in the divisional round of the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that debacle and what happened with the Texans? Well, well here's the thing. You know, you have good to great, and I think the Texans – for so many reasons, are a good team. They are a playoff team. I don't think they get to the Kansas City game if it's not for Deshaun Watson. So somewhere the hierarchy has to make a decision if the coaching staff, as it sits, if if they cannot win a game where they get spotted 24 points, then you have to really be honest with yourself and say which what kind of playoff game can they win. In the event that nothing happens with the coaching and nothing really happened, it seems seems like the D coordinator's been relieved. Yeah, Cornell. Which which that's happened before. So it's not really a firing, but it's like, okay, you're not, you're you're counseling and you're assisting, but, uh, you know, we're going to give somebody else that title for whatever reason. So, you know, if, if that doesn't cost you your job, you have to ask yourself as a fan, you know, what would cost them your job. But I think they're a good team. But when you see these other teams like the Kansas Cities, like the Baltimores, I don't think they've crossed that threshold of being a superior team. Want to ask you about the uh, one of the newer head coaches, a guy who came from your alma mater, uh, from Baylor, Matt Rule. Matt Rule was the he was the 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 bell of the ball this offseason. Everybody seemed like uh, he, he was one of those guys everybody wanted. Dave Tepper said, hey, wrote him a blank check nearly and said, hey, let's uh, yeah. let's take over the Carolina Panthers. You, of course, I know you spent a lot of time around the Baylor program. I know that you are really supportive of the program. What did you know of Matt Rule? What did you think of him? And, and what do you uh, forecast for his uh, NFL future as a head coach? Yeah, well, I, I definitely felt like um... – you know, he does, He did a great thing. And my thing for Matt, for everything that he, Matt Rule, did for Baylor was, you know, if he was able to leave the program in a better position than he found it, then he did his job. And I would definitely say playing, being in the Sugar Bowl, playing, playing in the Sugar Bowl last month, he left that situation better than he found it. And the fact that he's got an NFL job, you know, it sits a little bit better as a Baylor alumni than him going, for instance, to a Texas or a Texas A&M or so if you you know, lose popping, him, on a co- popping on a college job. You know, it sits a lot better with you. You know, that that being said, you know, you got to be careful what you, what you pray for, you know, because one of those things we know about the NFL is they want you to win right now. It's a microwave age, so they're going to give you two or three years and see what you're working with. So I wish him the best. Uh, one thing I know about the Baylor job is – you go nine and two, or you go ten and one, or you go eight and three, you go seven and four, and you got a bowl game. Everybody's still happy and dancing. You can keep that job for the next thirty years. So it's kind of a different type of thing that you're dealing with. 
when you're jumping into those NFL circles. But, you know, I've got nothing but good things to say about Matt. He did he did people. It seemed like the players really enjoyed being around him. So, you know, my hat's off to him. Now, in, in talking about that Baylor program, man, first of all, congratulations. You, you, were, yeah. you were nearly in the college football playoff. You are the yeah. number one ranked basketball team right now. The number two oh, yeah. ranked female uh, uh, women's basketball team in the country. I mean, it's been unbelievable times. Uh, it's sort of a renaissance for Baylor coming from some of the, the, the depths of uh, despair uh, of the program. How have they been yeah. able to turn don't it around? Forget volleyball. Don't forget volleyball was ranked number one for are they really? part of the season as well. Yeah, oh, they were ranked number oh, one. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Did, yes. I, did I watch them in the semifinals? I think. Didn't they, yeah, I think they lost to uh, yeah, Wisconsin, they lost right? To, to Wisconsin, you're exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. See, I keep up with a little bit of everything. Yeah, I watched that match uh-huh. actually, and, yeah. and, and, and rooting for the Lady Bears. But talk a little bit about how this program, the athletic program, continues to rebound. Because again, coming from you look at a school like SMU, and SMU has a lot of resources, like Baylor. It's sort of in some circles maybe maybe more prestigious. Not taking a shot at Baylor by by any means, yeah. but they have still not rebounded from the death penalty yet. Yeah, Baylor has come from nearly that and and have they've rebounded in every single way. How, how did that happen? Yeah, I would definitely say the energy. I can't speak about you know things I don't know the SMUs and the TCUs because I mean I. I've been on the field against those guys, but I hadn't really spent time on campus. But I can tell you from my experience at Baylor, um, my daughter, my oldest daughter just finished from Baylor two years ago, that the energy and the compassion from the alumni and the student base, you feel it and you feel it to get there. So, you know, I, I think the issues that have come to pass whether it was one player, two players, or one incident, three incidents, or whatever it was, you know, I, I think everybody would agree though, things like that happen, unfortunately, on every campus in America. So the fact that they can galvanize and come together, I think it really helps with the recruiting. It helps with the coaches because you can't fake you can't fake your way through any of those things. So uh, I think when you get the recruits on campus and they talk with their with, with the people, the recruiters, the coaches the players that they're going to be with for three, four years. You got a lot of genuine folks there, you know, and my biggest thing too, when you talk about the turnaround on the football team is, you know, a lot of those kids, I was, I was excited for those kids because some of those kids were the same ones that were one in 10, one in 10, one in 11, just three years ago, or one in 11 and they lost to folks like Buffalo UTSA. And they were on a team that, there was an exodus where they had a lot of teammates that transferred out and went other places. Those were the kids that had no place to go. So I think it was outstanding. And it should it was really one of those stories that I was hoping should have been gotten some garnered some national attention. And it wasn't talked about enough because everybody talks about that transfer portal these days. But how about the kids that really stick it through and say, no, I'm not going anywhere because I want to graduate from Baylor as with a degree. And I want to leave with the teammates, the guys I came in with. It's a really phenomenal story, especially coming. Really, I mean, obviously they have to play defense. You have to improve on defense. And uh, and I know that I think I know the answer to this already. But if you could take a berth in the college football playoffs 
or a Packers Super Bowl win, which one would you take if you can only have one? <laughs> I think I know the answer, but go ahead. I'm if I can you... only have one, it'd be Packers, Packers in the bowl, you know. Okay. I, that one surprised me. I, I would have went the other way. I would have thought you wanted Baylor to go to really? the college football Because that's the ultimate. Yeah, I, you know what? I think I, for, for being a small school, you know, I, it's almost like the, the movie Matrix, the red or blue pill, because being a small school, we are always – you we're always left out and we're always watching from the outside looking in. So it's like one of those things, you know, you ever had, you were never picked on the football team to play tag, play, play the pickup game after school. So all of a sudden when they want you to play, you're like, no, nah, man, I'm all right. I don't even want to play with y'all no more. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been so many years, you know, and that goes back to the art brows and everything else. But, uh, the tenure while Art was there, we had lost or won just as many games as your Alabama, as your Ohio States, and all those guys. But we always seemed to be the, on the outside looking in for one well, reason or another. They screwed you know, the it was Big Twelve. Period. Something they would bring up. Yeah, yeah. They, they screwed the Big Twelve. And, and again, and I will say politically in the NCAA, when you talk about the college playoffs, and, and really the pathway was clear for them this time. I'm like, there's no way they can yeah. keep if they, because again, I think Oregon lost the night before. There's no way that they can keep uh, Baylor out if they beat Oklahoma. I said if yeah. Baylor beats Oklahoma, I even tweeted this. They'll try to find a way to get Alabama in the playoffs. I mean, You're exactly right. That's <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so we so you so used to it that uh you know I, I refuse to buy into if we could get into the playoffs. Right. Well, you close, close, and you can you can do that same thing again. You know, next year. But hey, I want to uh, get your Super Bowl pick before the last thing we do. I want to get your Super Bowl pick before we get out of here. Oh man, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it'll be a close game, but you know, Kansas City Chiefs are a monster, and I'm going to get them by ten points. So that's a bold prediction, actually. I mean, yeah. that that's going against the grain. I think a lot of the money's coming in early on, on San Francisco. Although, I mean, Mahomes is is amazing, and, and I have a couple weeks that I can play with before on one of the next couple of podcasts before I give my Super Bowl prediction. How can folks reach you on social media? How can they get to you if they want to shout out to you or ask you? Man, a we definitely, question? man. Just come and check on like the Santana Dotson Foundation on Twitter. As well as well as uh, Huddle Up Houston, the NFLPA arm. Of everything we do is retired NFL players around the Houston area. And then I know you're on Twitter, right? Yes, sir. At Santana Dotson, right? Is that right? At Santana Dotson. And when does the foundation, your big event is in the spring, right? Yeah, we start rounding up in about the springtime, over in April. Well, you keep us posted on that. We certainly appreciate you joining us. And uh, maybe we'll talk to you sometime during free agency and get your thoughts on Because there are going to be some big-name quarterbacks moving around. Maybe we can get your thoughts on some of those coming up in the spring and maybe before the draft and all that good stuff. How's that sound? Sounds good, man. want to thank our guy, S.D. Santana Dodson. Always great to talk to him. He is a uh, really an accomplished guy in a lot of different areas, but not the least of which is football. Had a great NFL career. And there's so many directions we could take a conversation, including his years with uh, Brett Favre and Reggie White and all of those great guys on those Packer teams. In addition to that, just his years in the NFL. And we'll get to that throughout. I always like to sprinkle some of that in. But if you have a chance, 
Go to Netflix and look up Hard Lessons starring Denzel Washington and Lynn Whitfield to see Santana's acting debut. And you will get a real kick out of the first part of that conversation. Go look at the movie, then go back and listen to the first part of the conversation when we talked about Hard Lessons. So that is something that you can do. That's your homework project. But uh, nonetheless, had a great time with him. Always enjoy him. With that, it's time. Four, the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the big dummy of the episode, and it, this one is sort of, it, it's a tough one because it, this is, uh, I'm coming close to home. I'm handing out an award in my own backyard, and it's going to a guy that you all know and love, everybody's all american jj watt and and this is sort of a retro and this is from a couple weeks ago but i never get out a chance to hand this award out and i bring it up because next week saturday the night before the super bowl jj watt is hosting saturday night live now that's a well-deserved honor he deserves it he's a philanthropist he's done a lot for charity he is a he's rescued cats from trees for little old ladies he's kissed babies he's done everything that you i'm telling you he's priming himself to run for office but he's a good dude and so, I, it, you know, I mean, I, it hurts me. It hurts me to give J.J. the Lamont Award. But I'll tell you why. Because in the game of love, everybody plays the fool, even J.J. Watt. Now, what did J.J. Watt do to earn Lamont Award behind, what, I guess, in the name of love? Well, J.J. stuck up for his bae. And sometimes when you fight for your bae, <laughs> you look like a Lamont. And he does this time. You see, J.J. and his sweet thing, Kaylee O'Hai, are uh, Houston's first couple. Now, she is, or formerly of, a member of the Houston Dash. She plays for the National Women's Soccer League. So, she is a soccer player. If Did you know that? First of all, I think it, it really plays into the fact, do you know that his girlfriend is named Kaylee O'Hai? And she plays soccer for the Houston Dash, or did play for the Houston Dash. Well, a few weeks ago, she got traded. She requested the trade, and it wasn't an indictment of the relationship. She just wanted to further her career. Just like her, her man, she wants to be an alpha female, and she wants to go to the Olympics and accomplish all the things that she wants to accomplish in the game of soccer. So a local station, KTRK, Channel 13 here in Houston, the ABC affiliate, ran a headline on the website that said, Houston Dash trades J.J. Watt's fiance to Chicago. So <laughs> that was the quote. Harmless enough, right? You, you're scrolling down, you're saying, okay, yep, yep, headline, headline, impeachment. Headline, headline, Russia, headline, headline, global warming, headline, headline, Australia on fire, headline, headline, Houston Dash trades, Kaylee, Ohio. You keep going. You don't even notice that headline. But if you're in Houston and you love JJ like we are all required to within the city limits and the surrounding areas, you recognize and you stop to read and click on JJ Watts' fiance. Kelly, uh, what, Kalia Ohai, we don't know. I'm, I'm, I've been practicing her name uh, for a long time, and I still don't have it right. I'm, she's a lovely young lady, I'm sure, and this is no indictment on her. But it's just that the local station recognized the fact that she is famous for being J.J. Watt's fiance. 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, he, of course, in the, this era of, I, I don't know what all of these eras are because we they're overlapping in many many ways but essentially he says hey her name is Kalia Ohai and and you know you have to be better so he chides the television station for a headline and I think the headline was only on like Twitter I think on the website it said her name but essentially he went ham on channel 13 because they said JJ Watt's fiance she's a person too she has her own identity well you know what the world does not know her and the world does not care, unfortunately, about women's professional soccer as much as they do about J.J. Watt, the NFL superstar who's hosting Saturday Night Live. You have the national commercial deals, the endorsement deals. You have the, the spots all over the place. You've been on late night television. I don't think Kalia Ohai has been invited to anything. If, if you could possibly name 10 or five female soccer players, which I love. Again, Women's World Cup is the business. Loved Hope, uh, Hope Solo. Loved Megan Rapino. Loved all of, all of, love it. And I want to do more to support women's soccer. But unfortunately, the audience is just not there for it yet. We're not there yet, and it's okay, JJ. It, it really is. They're coming along, and someday maybe she will go on and go to the Olympics and score a game-winning goal, and she will be identified as Kaylee O'Hai, and you can be Kaylee O'Hai's fiancé or maybe husband at that point. It may happen. It may not happen. It probably won't happen. But because you can't get her place in relation to your place, and, you know, and if, if this is a, thing you, a conversation you have to have at the dinner table, well, they could have recognized your name. I get that. Man's got to do what a man's got to do keep the sweet thing happy. I get it. But to publicly go on Twitter and chide ABC 13 for that, that makes you, uh, J.J. Watt, a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> Look, I get it. And I know that it's the right thing to do to make sure that she gets her recognition as a person. And I get all of that. And, and deservedly so, because the impact these women are having on young girls going into the future is huge. But on the massive landscape of sports and sports entertainment, J.J. Watt, you would be like the sun and she would be the equivalent of what? Pluto? Is Pluto a planet anymore? I learned it as a planet. Then they said it wasn't a planet. And I think it is a planet. I'm not sure if it's a planet, but you're Pluto in relation to J.J. Watt. Is that in a perfect world? Is that right? No. But right now, the league is fledgling. The National Women's Soccer League is, is on the come up. But you're not there yet. And I want you to get there. Maybe I need to do more and do my part. And again, I talked about the World Cup figures. What, Brandy Chastain and Mia Hamm throughout the years. I mean, so many of them have been tremendous. And every time the World Cup comes around and the Olympics and any kind of international competition, I'm for that. I'm on that. I'm doing that. But locally or nationally, the National Women's Soccer League has not prospered or grown yet. Like all soccer. I mean, soccer, period. Soccer just soccer is, what, fourth? I, I mean, I don't know. You, they, the numbers are always, well, so many people participate. And I guess the numbers are getting better. And people are watching. And I tried to watch Premier League, and I try to delve into that sometimes. But I'm trying to do a little bit of that. Uh, and I think the women, ho I hope the Dash continue to do work. And, and I want things to do better. And maybe we'll do more with the Dash.
But uh, Kalia Ohai is now in Chicago, and J.J. Watt for I mean, and again to mention it is one thing. I think you stepped over the line when you chided ABC thirteen as if oh you just, you're just out of line in this in this era of political correctness. You just you, you did too much. It's just too much. You're that guy. You I mean that's consistent with the J.J. Watt we know. Just a little bit too much. Too much. And, of course, the narrative is, you know, when he does something, he works so much harder than any other guy in the NFL. And, and that's a, an image he helped craft, and he gets all the accolades and credit for that. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 get, I feel you. I, I feel you. And I understand. And it's the right thing to do. But don't chide. Mention, don't chide. But when you chide it, you became a big dummy. <laughs> With that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, I want to thank you guys so much for your support. And thanks for listening, going to the website. And I want more people to call the sports line at 832-941-6614. As I said before, I am going to do something very special for those who make an attempt to call and participate on uh, on episodes. Maybe an interview. Maybe a sit-down conversation. Maybe we'll invite you to the studio if you're in Houston. Maybe a Sports Talk with Devin Wade t-shirt. S- something. We'll do something for you guys, but thank you so much in any case. And continue to spread the word, tell your friends, and uh, rope them into this thing so we can all have fun together. With that, want to thank our guy Santana Dotson and uh, enjoyed that conversation. Want to thank EL for checking in. Want to thank our music uh, guy Simo and Soulville for that. We who come to party? I like that. You're gonna hear the rest of that in just a second. Want to also thank our sponsor CoBank Homes. If you're interesting interested in becoming a sponsor, just uh, email us. Go to the website, email us, and uh, let us know. We certainly would love to have your board, and our people are very supportive of yours truly and i'm sure that they will be supportive of your product getting out of here but until next time as always have a great day good evening ladies and gentlemen we'd like to welcome y'all to the soul line now i got my boys right here from the soul collective coming right back at you this for all the party people out there no matter what the occasion let's raise your glass let's go i want to know Let's get on down. Let's get on down. I wanna know who came to party. Let's get on down. Let's get on down. If it's your birthday, you came to party. If you just got paid, you came to party. If you look good, you came to party. Got a drink in your hand. You came to party, alright You got money on your shirt Cause it's your birthday Got bottles on the table Nobody ain't thirsty You feeling good And you look good too Yeah, Tonight's your night It's all about you uh, I wanna know Who came to party Let's get on down
drink in your hand in your And hand. you came to party oh, All right Now back the thing on me up on the dance floor Come on And give me more until I just can't handle Got a drink in your hand, in your hand. And you came to party, oh. alright 